Welcome to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries, a Christ-centered conversation that will encourage and inspire you to live a better life. Now let's join Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. Hi, I'm Galen Jones, and I'm here with Scott Rahi, and we're talking about apologetics. And We've been having this conversation for several weeks, and today we're going to be touching on the, the topic of Christianity and science and raising the question, are they in conflict? And Scott's going to share with us uh, why he's persuaded that they're not. Yep. So the topic that I just, you know, just as a as a placeholder, the topic that I listed was I'm persuaded that Christianity and science are not at war. And it's something that you hear, if you listen in the media, if you read a lot of science publications, if you read, you know, depending on who you're reading, you'll you'll see a lot of people say that Christianity is not compatible with our current scientific knowledge. And as the scientific knowledge grows, every time there's a, a scientific discovery, it pushes God off to the side a little bit more, and God has to retreat a little bit more. And we used to say, well, God caused this. Well, now we have some sort of scientific explanation. God's not needed there, so God has to retreat, and God has to retreat, and God... and you know there are there's historically that's that's something that certain people have believed and it's i think it's a myth and i don't think that um it can be sustained by you know by skeptics or people that that ask these questions one of the things that i maybe i don't need to do as often um but sometimes we need to say why do we have these conversations right because how often is somebody going to be sitting at home and thinking well i wonder if christianity and science are in conflict with each other the reason that this topic is important is because kids that go away to college and they, they, they take a biology class or they take a physics class, they're going to be requiring, I mean, these are sciences required in college. And if they, depending on where they go, they're going to encounter a professor or professors who say that Christianity is incompatible with science. And if you believe as a Christian, well, science is going to show you that God doesn't exist or, you know, something to that effect. And so these kids come home and they're very challenged, they're very confused, and you know the information they've gotten I think is bad information. And it's important when the kids come home, um, or maybe you've read a newspaper article that says it, or National Geographic or something, um, it's important that you have an alternate perspective. And I think it's very easy to show that they're not in conflict. So let me let me start. So, um, so before you, mm-hmm. you, you start here... So, science doesn't necessarily prove God. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it doesn't disprove God. I would say, first of all, I'd say science is a method, and it's a way to establish certain information. You know, the the experiments that you conduct, the 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 natural things that you uncover will you know will lead to certain uh, conclusions, laws of nature, that sort of thing. But I, I do think that's – and we'll get into this not just today but, you know, in future podcasts. I do think that science actually provides us some lines of evidence, um, some of the, actually the most compelling lines of evidence that God does exist. Oh, okay. And scientific discoveries um, have pointed – interestingly enough, and, I, you know, just as an aside, um, there's a guy named Anthony Flew who was considered the most prominent atheist philosopher of the modern era. And everybody – if you were going to engage intellectually in discussing God's existence, 
As an academic, you had to understand what Antony Flew said. Towards the end of his life, he was persuaded that God existed because of scientific evidence. And he actually wrote a book called There Is a God. So I think, I'm not sure if it's the last book that he wrote. He was not. He never became a Christian, but he became what's called a deist, which believes in this sort of this God that creates a creator God that sort of wound the universe up. Yeah, I um, think he we got that far. Yeah, we talked a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah. But, and he's gotten he got a lot of criticism, and a lot of people in the skeptical community said, "Well, he's just an old man, and he's just he's kind of losing his mind, and he's doing this." And <laughs> he was really unhappy with people who said that, and he had some fairly choice words to say in response to that. But yeah, he abandoned his atheism. He said, "I'm persuaded by the design argument; it's just too powerful to ignore." Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I do think there's scientific evidence, and we'll get into that later on, and we'll get into a little bit of it today. But yeah. I think you know, there's a sim- similar conversation about uh, contrasting archaeology mm-hmm. proves God, or no, archaeology proves that God uh, doesn't exist. You know, yeah. the, the same type of conversation yep. I've ran into before. And I think archaeology also provides evidence that God exists. I don't think there is. Truthfully, I don't think there is any place that evidence can be found that argues against God's existence. At best, you have an you you have an absence of evidence, and sometimes people like to say the absence of evidence is evidence of absence. And I don't think that there there are some cases where that's true. Like if we had another moon the size of our existing moon, and it's the same distance from our Earth. The fact that we don't see that is good evidence that there is no other moon up there. But that's not always the case. And I, I know since you raised art, this isn't the topic, but I'll just go as an aside because you mentioned archaeology. Skeptics have said that when the Bible talks about certain things, if they haven't found evidence for that um, external to the Bible, somehow that that means the Bible is wrong. Right. right. The best explanation or the best example of that is uh, the Hittite nation. I, I was just I was that's the, yeah, what used, came to mind. Skeptics used to say well yeah. the Hittites are in the Bible but you don't find them anywhere and there's no archaeological evidence for it and they wrote lots of papers and everybody's like well the Bible's wrong and then suddenly guess what archaeologists found the Hittite <laughs> nation and I, I think it just proves that you can't arguing from silence is always a bad thing and that's what happens in these cases but Really, when it comes to science and Christianity, it's even worse than that. It's based upon a myth that there's been this war between science and Christianity. And let me start by uh, giving you a couple of quotes, and they're by a guy named Peter Atkins. I've mentioned Peter Mm -hmm. Atkins before. The first one is uh, his quote. He says, science and religion cannot be reconciled. That's the way he would say it. And the second one, um, Peter Atkins says, humanity should accept that science has eliminated the justification for believing in cosmic purpose and that any survival of purpose is inspired only by sentiment. In other words, it's nice to believe in God. It's kind of like believing in Santa Claus, but we're old enough to know that those presents didn't get put under the tree by uh, you know a merry, uh, a merry elf that lives at the North Pole. You know, I hope there's no kids are listening <laughs> and I'm giving things. Hope that I'm not giving any things away. But so Santa doesn't really come down. I'm not going to take a position on that. Oh, I don't okay. want to get right. yeah, don't want right. to get an email. Right. <laughs> now I think I think this idea that science and Christianity are at war. I think it's false. Um, first of all, we just have you have to look at the fact that throughout history. Many, if not most, of the great scientists were professing Christians. Um, if you look at um, the father of genetics, he was an Augustinian friar named Gregor Mendel. 
if you look at the first person that proposed the Big Bang Theory, and we'll talk about that in, in a future podcast, but the Big Bang Theory is a scientific theory about how the Earth or the universe came into being out of non-being. The first person that proposed that was a guy named George Lemaitre, who was a Catholic priest. Um, one of the really interesting people um, that I think you know you know serves as an example that these are not at war is a guy named Francis Collins. Francis Collins was the head of the Human Genome Project, and I think he was actually he was on Barack Obama's council. I think he was the head of the National Institute of Health. I forget for sure what he was, but he was one of these very top advisors to Barack Obama. He's a big gun. Yeah, he has he has a lot of credentials. He's in. He was a lifelong atheist. Very sort of you know his family. He, he tells the story. My parents were atheists. I thought belief in God was silly, and then he started doing the Human Genome Project, and he saw the design present in the at the genetic level and it was just a profound experience for him and now he's a professing christian um so this idea clearly he doesn't think science and christianity are at work because he's still a scientist another one is a guy named sir john polkinghorn who was he was now an anglican priest he's i think an oxford professor and you know very highly regarded in the field of physics and you know so these these are just examples of people who maintain that they're maintain their, the the rigor of their scientific you know training mm-hmm. but they accept that god exists and a lot of these actually were um christians prior to and they came out with some of these foundational um scientific principles sir francis bacon i think came out with the scientific method he's also he was also a christian so i think that's sort of a good starting point you know if you have people that are the highly trained people and they can reconcile this. Then there's, it's already a little bit fishy to think that they're at war if these these you know very educated. But maybe they were just wrong. Maybe they you know, they just happened to be a minority that were were wrong. So let's let's go into it a little bit more. Well, I think you you do raise a good point because a lot of times you know, uh, just in in casual conversations, whether at the workplace or whatever, people will. Um, they may hear something or may read something. I mean, you know, information abounds in, in our society today. And so we hear something and, and we just automatically go, oh, well, that's uh, that, that's true. It, that's yeah. got to be true. Yeah. But recognizing that, hmm, you know, there are some really intelligent people mm-hmm. that do believe that God exists and do believe in uh the creation and, and the, the whole different aspects of that, but they have really uh, lived their life accordingly. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that's really important because, you, you, I don't know, I, I do a lot of uh, reading, a lot of listening to different uh, types of material, what's going on socially and so forth. I don't think I have ever heard um, – just casually of how many people, how many scientific people that are really highly intelligent mm-hmm. and that would live out their lives uh, based on the existence of God. Mm-hmm. You don't ever hear about those, but you hear about the ones that don't. Yeah. There are some, there is some information out there and I don't have it written down here, but you know, so I'll do it from memory. But I, I think what you're going to find is that roughly 40% of the scientific community believes in God. They're, they're, 
Christians of one form or another. Mm -hmm. And what you also find is if someone enters the scientific field believing in God, they continue to believe in God once they're in the discipline. They don't, there's, there's sort of a, a myth out there that I've heard that say, well, you know, you can become a scientist and you're going to learn that God doesn't exist. So you become an atheist. That really doesn't happen. Those statistics really don't change. Um, instead, I would say that people are, that are drawn to the scientific field, they may be in a larger percentage may already have been atheist and you know okay i'm just going to go into the scientific it may attract them more but there's no reason to suspect based on the statistics that someone believes in god goes into the scientific discipline of one sort or another and loses their faith i mean i'm sure it happens at an individual level but it happens in both directions right right it's so, interesting that when you talk to you know and many doctors um refer to them medical doctors yeah. refer to themselves as scientists yeah and at least those that I have conversations that I've ran into, the great majority are believers. Yeah. And, yeah. and when I think about some of the things that they see, especially surgeons and what oh, they yeah. experience, yeah. Uh, and they go, you know, really can't understand that. But, That's right. Uh, so anyway. One of the things I think that that persuades me that science and Christianity aren't, aren't at war is I don't think science is possible unless God exists. Ah, okay. Um. The fact that we have an, a universe that is ordered, the fact that we have a universe where there are such things as the laws of logic, where the, there's the laws of nature, um, where things are predictable and repeatable, where, where the laws of mathematics work, and they're elegant. And even though I'm not, <laughs> I would never say that math is simple, comparatively, you can describe the universe with a relatively small set of mathematical equations. And... The fact that those exist, you have to have that in order to do science. And I don't think that the order that's present in the universe would exist if God doesn't exist. I think it would be absolute, utter chaos. There's no reason to suspect that order would exist if God didn't exist. And I'm not the only one that holds that view. Let me give you a, a quote. Um, Albert Einstein said this. He said, the most incomprehensible thing about the universe is that it is comprehensible. And that, that tells me everything that I need to know. The most incomprehensible thing about the universe is that it's comprehensible. Yeah, because he's a pretty smart guy. Well, he's yeah, he's a pretty <laughs> sharp guy. He, he can, he's a little smarter than I'll ever be. So let me go through this a little bit more. There's there's some other quotes that I want to get through. Um, and I apologize. I'm, I'm using quotes here because I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these leading scientists, and so I want people to hear actual sort of academics saying, it's not just Scott saying, well, I don't think they're at war. There are people out there and there are people even in the that wouldn't really commit to either being a Christian or being one of these vocal skeptics. They just consider themselves scientists. And one of them is a guy named Paul Davies, and he wrote a book called Design in Physics and Cosmology. And in that book, um, actually, it was an article he wrote called Design in Physics and Cosmology. It was in a it was in something called God and Design. That's in. So his uh, quote is. It was from the intellectual ferment brought about by the merging of Greek philosophy and Judeo-Islamic Christian thought that modern science emerged with its unidirectional linear time rather than cyclical, its insistence on nature's rationality, and its emphasis on mathematical principles. All the early scientists, such as Newton, were religious in one way or another. In the ensuing 300 years, the theological dimension of science has faded. People take for granted that the physical world is both ordered and intelligible. The underlying order 
in nature, the laws of physics is simply accepted as given, as brute fact. Nobody asks where the laws come from, at least they don't in polite company. However, even the most atheistic scientist accepts as an act of faith the existence of a law-like order in nature that is at least in part comprehensible to us. So science can proceed only if the scientist adopts an essentially theological worldview. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. wow. He wouldn't, I, you know, he may call himself a Christian now. I, I've got several of his books and I've seen a lot of his lectures and he never comes across as I'm a Christian who's also a, a scientist. Um, and Paul Davies is somebody that, you know, a lot of people take what he says and they take it very seriously. Let me also, there's a book for people that are getting into this or interested in getting into this topic at, you know, in some depth. There's a book by a lady named Nancy Piercy called The Soul of Science. And here's something she says on page 19 of her book. Over some three centuries, the relationship between faith and science can best be described as an alliance. The scientists living between 1500 and the late 1800s inhabited a very different universe from that of the scientists living today. The earlier scientist was very likely to be a believer who did not think scientific inquiry and the religious and religious devotion incompatible. On the contrary, his motivation for studying the wonders of nature was a religious impulse to glorify the God who had created them. Indeed, though he studied the physical creation, he was unlikely to be a scientist per se, as the term scientist was not coined until 1834, but a churchman, especially in the English countryside, the parson naturalist was a common figure. So what she's getting at is earlier on, scientists were mostly Christians who were trying to glorify God by understanding his creation. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you read the history of Western science, it comes out of Christian belief because it used to be called natural philosophy. The word scientist didn't exist. And these Christians, these believers said, God has created an ordered and discoverable universe. I want to serve and worship God by... Um, understanding his nature by understanding what he's created by mm -hmm. understanding the principles the laws that underlie everything and that's where all of this came from so not only is christianity and science not at war christianity is the reason that western science exists today now skeptical people do not like hearing that but it remains a fact and there's plenty of non you know non-christian you know quote unquote people academics out there that will admit the same thing. You know, I've got loads of quotes and I can point, you know, and it's necessary in a situation like this to use expert quotes and not just say, well, this is because nobody's going to believe me. Right. They'll believe the experts. Right. And so. Oh, a lot of them don't even know those experts are out there. You know, that's. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's they, sort of the problem. It's sort of hidden. Yeah, so. Yeah. I know we need to talk a little bit more about this. Um, so why don't we, why don't we continue this? I want to go into a little bit about the, some of, some of the questions that people might raise for themselves, like you know, Genesis and evolution just a little bit. Okay. Let's expand on this a little bit more in the next podcast. Okay. And, uh, you know, we'll just pick it up next, next week. All right. Sounds great. Look forward to it. You've been listening to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. The James Group is a nonprofit Christ-centered organization that seeks to serve the community by offering skilled, caring support for anyone in need. For help, call 972-243-4673. 
That's 972-243-4673. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Hacks for Life with Galen Jones.